episode of Chatty Broads with Becca and Jess. Well, hello, Broads. Good morning. Good morning or afternoon or evening or whenever you're watching this uh, or listening. Broads, we have had, we've been talking a lot of pop culture lately. First of all, have you voted for us yet? <laughs> I'm gonna start making it like a thing where every single time we hop on, I'm like, hey, so yes, oh, hey, you. so if you haven't voted for us yet for whatever we're nominated for, do it now, please, please. Um, but we were doing, ba- we were been doing the pop culture. We've had some great episodes. We were doing the goat episodes, and the last goat episode we did was Nick Vial's episode. And in this episode, are they over now? By the way, was Nick's the last one? No, Juan Pablo's was. Oh yeah, 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 and. When we watched Nick's, my most favorite moment by a mile was when we saw Taylor Nolan speaking to Chris Harrison and had the most legendary dialogue that I believe has ever happened. I mean, in general, we we heard about some non-monogamy. We heard about vibrators. We heard about transgender. I mean, it was such a moment. So, of course, I mean, we have to talk about this before we dive into other things. Taylor Nolan, welcome. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Happy to be here. Oh, so happy to see you. I Can we talk about this for a minute? Yeah. Yeah. I, I remember getting your message. You had like DM'd me when you were watching it and I was so scared and terrified. Um, yeah. It just, it didn't feel like it was going to be that big of a deal, but it also like, I felt really nervous at the same time, even saying it of like, yeah. am I allowed to like use these words here? Like, am I allowed to do this? And before going on, I was just like, you know, every time I see Chris Harrison, I'm like, ah, triggered trauma. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was oh like, okay, how do I not like shrink down and like, just be this like small, agreeable, weird version of myself out of fear. Right. And I think it helped just like being in my apartment, like Mm -hmm. feeling like I'm in my safe space and I don't give a fuck. Like I'm on Zoom and I'm still going to like be myself. So it was interesting. Definitely made him super uncomfortable. And he was like, he's like, oh, no, no, no. Like I'm, I'm, I'm totally comfortable. This, I was like, "Mm -hmm, okay. (laughs) He's just like non-monogamy. Wait, do you have any theories of why they didn't edit it? Did they edit any of it down? Uh, yeah, I mean, the interview itself is like 25-ish minutes. Uh-huh. Um, sure, sure, sure. Yeah, but I think that they, I mean, I think that they left it. They didn't, we did talk about some race stuff. Yeah. I know that they didn't necessarily want to talk about race stuff. You know, there was a lot of stuff from my season that I wish that they would have left in, like the MAGA paraphrasing that yeah. they left out. But um you know, I think that they did want to make an opportunity to have some sex positivity on there. I think that's something that they've been leaning into with Jamie and then Demi. And, you know, I think that they do see the benefit of that. Um, so I think <laughs> that's why they left that part in. But um, yeah, I don't think that there was anything from me talking about that section of stuff about like exploring non-monogamy and exploring like my sexuality and who I'm attracted to. I don't like that was basically the conversation hmm. with like that little bit of me being like, Chris, I think I'm making you uncomfortable. And being like, oh, I'm totally comfortable. 
I'm cool. I'm hip I'm with fine. it. Fine. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I mean, I was so glad that they at least kept that in. But I, but it, like Becca was saying, I mean, I was, I was shocked. I, I was, yeah. was so surprised, but so grateful. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it. Uh, it felt very. I don't know. It, in a way, it felt very liberating to mm-hmm. just be like, yeah, this is where I'm at, and I'm not going to sugarcoat it or like make it more appealing to your audience. So I don't like rub any feathers the wrong way. Mm-hmm. Um, I did. I was so nervous. I like messed up my wording in one part. And then afterwards, when I watched it back, I was like, oh, that's not what I meant. <laughs> um, I think it was when I was saying exploring, uh, you know, that relationships don't have to look like a fairy tale way of being uh, heterosexual and monogamous. But I think I said non-monogamous. Um, and I was like beating myself up for like a hot minute over that. And I was like, people know what you meant. Oh, no. I didn't Ow. even, I didn't even track. I heard monogamous. Cause I was just like standing up cheering. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was very, very nervous though, but I was like, okay, this is my truth. So I was told, you know, it's okay for me to talk about these things. And so I was like, all right, here we go. <laughs> Oh my God. Well, did you get any, uh, did you get any heat from it after anyone like messaging you or anything like that? Um, I didn't really like, there were a few people that were like, that was inappropriate. Um, you know, and that people felt embarrassed for me talking about vibrators. I'm like, that's not embarrassing, <laughs> but okay. It is for you, I guess. <laughs> like if it was embarrassing for me, I maybe wouldn't have said it, but like I said that with confidence. It's right. not embarrassing. Um, Yeah, it was really small. I mean, I remember, I think, like, honestly, like, it's weird to even talk about it as if it was, like, this big thing because it didn't feel like it was Mm -hmm. a big thing. Like, I don't know if just no one was watching the show. Yeah, I was going to say there's probably, like, like, 200 viewers, you know, just in general watching these GOAT episodes, but... Yeah, because like, I don't... (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It, It didn't really feel like it was that big of a thing. Like, I think, like, if if I had shown up as myself fully in that space, like on paradise or something, then I think that would have like been more of a thing, but this really didn't feel like a thing at Mm -hmm. all. Mm -hmm. I don't know. And that's like when I got your message that you were like, Oh my God, legendary. (laughs) I was like, ah, what's happening? (laughs) Like I was like preparing myself a little bit to be like, this could be really big that you said these things, but and like but almost the, like fear just of being on the show again, sure. of like scared that, you know, it's going to be all this attention and that all these people are going to have all this shit to say. And like, I don't want to deal with that. Like, that's like really nerve wracking. <laughs> yeah. um, that's like, I like my community of people that I have that are like, you know, in the same vibe length and um, vibe wavelength. And yeah, <laughs> I like that I vibe really, length. <laughs> yeah, vibe length. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it didn't, it really didn't feel like it was a thing. I didn't really get a lot of hate on it. I definitely did receive some like positive messages and comments and stuff, but it wasn't like this big thing. I think it probably would have been if it was on like a normal bachelor episode. Yeah. I don't think that that stuff is normally acknowledged on like, yeah, it's kind of seems. I got to say it kind of seems with the goat episodes. It's like anything goes. Yeah. <laughs> no yeah. one's really watching, unfortunately, because I think that would have been crazy yeah. if they're I mean, I don't even think non-monogamy has even been brought up, period, on any of the normal episodes. Which is, like, 
mind blowing to me because like every season the top two was like oh my god I'm in love with two people like I would have never imagined that this could have happened and like oh who do I have to choose now and it's like well hello like you can have a different form of relationship if this is really where you're at like why don't you all have some conversations right I was at at, at, at a certain point I was waiting for maybe pilot Pete to to say something like that I was like if anyone's gonna say it I can see pilot Pete and then Barb being supportive of it just like having a uh like revelation where he's just sitting there like wait why can't I keep loving both (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah yeah. even on paradise like when we see like you know multiple people dating and whatnot it's like okay well is there a way where this works for all parties involved like it's definitely I think disappointing that it's never been a conversation I know on my season of paradise there was just so much pressure and I think that's part of why conversations around non-monogamy don't happen on the show because Mm -hmm. there is such this fucking pressure of just, oh, as soon as you kiss someone, y'all are together. Oh my God, y'all are going to be the next Jade and Tanner. Oh my God, y'all are going to have babies like Carly and Evan. And it's like, whoa, can we take a breather here? Like, I'm still available. Like, he's still available. Like, we can still go out on dates with other people. But it's just like, immediately, the whole environment is like, bread on monogamy although at the same time though i have to counter that and say that the whole show the premise of it is actually non-monogamy and also like yeah you know Mm -hmm. throughout eight weeks i mean the the only thing is of course that the ultimate goal is the monogamy but the whole show is about consensual relationships with multiple people at once and the conversations that are always had is like well you know I just have to keep exploring this for myself whenever someone gets jealous or something and as you know I don't like you being with mm-hmm. other girls the conversation is always like well like that's just kind of the way it is like it's kind of yeah. crazy and and it's yeah. sh- and it's been normalized for like 20 years but it's just yeah mm-hmm. there's never been an uh um there's never been an ending where yeah. There's not monogamy in the end, which is really interesting. Yeah, you're right. Pete is the one that got the closest to it. But like the yeah. whole show is is built upon non-monogamy. But I think too, it's at least for Paradise, it's only in in my perspective, it seems only encouraged and um, acceptable when you are at those beginning stages of dating. Mm-hmm. That right. once you develop deep feelings for one person, then that's just who you're with. And then it becomes of like, okay, well now you can't date any of these other more people because now you've developed something really strong with this one person. And that's the whole point, quote unquote. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And you're like, honey, I've been here for a week and a half. I don't know. (laughs) Can I have still an option or do I have to fully commit for the rest of my life? Yeah. And I think too, even though the, even though like we see people in ITMs talk about, you know, oh, you know, yeah, like that's the whole point, you know, we're supposed to date around. Like when you're there, people do put that pressure on monogamy. I mean, if I think back to my season, you know, Lacey went on one date with Diggy. I was like, I think Dom and Diggy, Diggy would hit it off. Diggy then goes out on a date with Dom and Lacey's like, you know, fucking devastated because Mm -hmm. she thought her and Diggy were going to have a thing. Right. So it, I think that there is kind of an unspoken pressure of monogamy, even though everyone knows that you're also there to date around. Like, I think 
a lot of people on the show don't have experience in non-monogamy to begin with, Mm -hmm. and that the versions of dating around aren't consensual, that, that they've practiced outside of the show, right? And that it's really like kind of a closed door on that. So to have that all happening, like, in your face, right. like directly, I think brings up a lot of those emotions around jealousy and whatnot that folks in the poly and the consensual non-monogamous community process and work through on a regular basis are so new and so like uh, conflictual. Is that a word? I'm making it one um, <laughs> on paradise because yeah. those are things that just spark this immense amount of intensity and uh, in a way, embarrassment, humiliation, because you're on national TV and you're wanting this person to want you and all these things. So it's like, well, there's also I definitely no, I was just gonna say there's also the aspect of the show, too, that reinforces it because you need someone to pick you if you want to stay for the next week. So there's also that exactly. pressure, too, you know, sure. so of like. <laughs> if you don't have your secure person, you might you're be worthless. You might be you might <laughs> yeah. be going you might be going home. Yeah, true, true. That is a good point, too, because it's not like you can be like, well, I want to give my rose to this person and this person. Yeah. <laughs> or this person this week and that, that person next week, you know, it's like, yeah. oh, yeah, it's like once you give your rose to one person, then if you switch it up, you're just like, oh, my God, well, yeah. she did what? Or you might not get a rose the next week. Right. And mm-hmm. you might go home. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it is also this like given this assumption of, well, I got a rose from this person this week. So therefore I'm going to continue to have this person as someone I can rely on to keep me here because they chose me here, AKA they're going to continue to choose me. This is my assumption of monogamy, right? That's maybe even unconscious. That's like, I've been chosen. I'm in. Right. It's like, well, no, that's gotta be an ongoing conversation, boo. (laughs) One of my favorite things with paradise is when you see the couples who immediately like get together and then just assume that they're just going to stay together, obviously, because they feel like they don't have another choice. And you just see week to week them being like, I don't want to be in this relationship (laughs) anymore. And the rose every single episode, they're just like, here you go. And they're just not talking to each other in the morning and like already drinking very early. And you're like, well. Yeah, which is like unfortunately sort of metaphorical for life. <laughs> Sad, but I was just thinking about like that fear of not getting a rose next week is like really kind of symbolic of what so many of us experience in our life where like fear of being alone, fear of not mm-hmm. having a date to take to the wedding, fear of like, you know, mm-hmm. it's like maybe it's easier to pick one person and just stick with it. Not because that's what we actually want, but because it provides a sense of security so we don't have to deal with our fears. Absolutely. Yeah. So. Monogamy definitely has this element of security and stability. And I think a big misconception around non-monogamy is that it doesn't have that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think in consensual non-monogamous relationships, you can still have that security. You can still have that stability, but it just looks a little bit different. Um, well, cause there's not there- fear of, I feel like there's in, in from what I've experienced or other people, I feel like there's not so much of a fear. People have to deal with their fear of being alone you know, Mm -hmm. or fear of being left or abandoned. And so it's more Mm -hmm. of a conscious choice because you're not operating on like a fear-based level. Not that everyone who is in a monogamous relationship is operating around fear. That's not what I mean. I mean, it's a generalization that I think is very appropriate and accurate. Um, But yeah, I think in 
consensual non-monogamous relationships, there's more of an element of like choice and uh, like more selfless kind of a love, at least from like my experience that I think um, is, has been lacking in the monogamous relationships that I've been in um, where it does feel like, okay, we're just together now and that's it. Like we did it, we're together. And now there might be fear of, well, what is it going to be like when I'm just by myself again? Oh, I'm going to stay in this relationship now because I'm scared of what I'm going to look like or who I'm going to be without this. Right. Mm -hmm. Whereas like, I think in consensual non-monogamous relationships, um, at least in my experience, um, it's felt more like we know every day that we're choosing to be with each other because we also know that we have the freedom and the choice to be with other people mm-hmm. um, through that through that agreement and through that conversation and consent, right? Um, so it's, I think, I think it brings a whole other set of conversations and fears, right? But I think I've at least been able to maintain more of my own individual identity and feel like my individual identity has been honored and respected mm-hmm. and loved deeper and in a, in a more whole way than it has been in what has felt like forced monogamous relationships that I've been in. Okay. Well, broads, we got to pause for a second, but you know, we're talking, Taylor is out here helping with the mental health, the sexual health. This is a perfect, perfect topic to talk about. When was the last time that you prioritized your mental health, like truly took a breath and did something to make sure you're okay. Because after this year, especially, that's an important question to ask yourself. How am I doing? Of course, you're biased. So I would suggest asking a professional that's actually qualified to help you figure out how you are doing, which in my opinion, the best, most accessible way to find someone to talk can be through using BetterHelp. BetterHelp is the online therapy platform you need in your life. And I really mean that everyone can benefit from therapy in some way. And BetterHelp is the easiest way to get the help you're looking for. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your very own licensed therapist, and you'll be able to start communicating in less than 48 hours. Their service is available for clients worldwide, and they have a huge range of experts in various specialties, so you can find someone to talk to no matter what you're going through. And here is the best part. It is affordable. I know uh, from experience how expensive therapy can be. BetterHelp believes that no one should be excluded from getting the help that they need because of finances. And that's why their services are affordable. And they even have financial aid available for those that need it, actually. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. Visit BetterHelp.com slash broads. That's better. H-E-L-P, and join over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. And for all our Chatty Broads listeners, get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash broads. So Broads, there's a very good chance that as of late, your home is so much more than a place to rest and recharge at the end of the night. Among a million other things, it could be a school right now, an office, a gym, you name it. Uh, This means keeping your space clean and smelling fresh is an absolute necessity, And if you have cats at home that are using a litter box, it's even more important because the last thing anyone wants to smell when they're spending their time indoors is a litter box. Well, Pretty Litter is the best way to keep away the smell of a litter box for good. If you've got cats at home, you're going to want to check it out. Um, Becca has cats, too, in fact, and that is 100% confirmed, okay? Uh, Pretty Litter is better than any other litter that she said she's ever tried. Uh, It's ultra-absorbent crystals, trap odor instantly, and it's totally 
totally dust free. So you're not going to find those kitten prints all over the house every time your cat visits the litter box. Uh, it's also totally safe for your cat and the rest of your family. If you're using conventional litters, you're putting irritants that can aggravate allergies and asthma into your home. With Pretty Litter, you'll always be breathing easy. And the coolest part is that Pretty Litter is designed to change colors to help detect early signs of potential illness in your cats. Um, I'm pet obsessed and knowing there's products like this available to keep your furry friends healthy is just music to my ears. And Pretty Litter is one of those products that I will go on a full rant and preach about. Even though I don't have cats, I tell everyone about it and have turned all of my kitty owning friends onto it. And they say that it makes a huge difference. So make the switch to Pretty Litter today by visiting prettylitter.com and use promo code chatty for 20% off your first order. That's prettylitter.com, promo code chatty for 20% off. Prettylitter.com, promo code chatty. Yeah, have you read the book Opening Up? No, I haven't. It's really good. I'm reading it right now. Um, Mm -hmm. And the author basically talks about how the problem with monogamy is not monogamy itself. It's what you're talking Mm -hmm. about, which is like basically forced monogamy imposed by culture, um, societal standards, religion, etc. And she talks about how like, you know, practicing ethical non-monogamy takes choice and like you're saying, Mm -hmm. takes conscious effort. And... People can have that same thing in monogamy, but what has yeah. to there has to be a conscious choice and mm-hmm. a conscious effort, um, so that it so that it it just it's what you're both deciding together, not as sort of an yeah an unconscious yeah. thing. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. it, basically, what she's saying is like you need to put in the same work and effort to make mm-hmm. your monogamous relationships like conscious and like ethical in the same way that people have to put in work to make ethical yeah. non-monogamous relationships work. I thought that yeah. was really interesting. Yeah. And I think that's part of what I was attempting to say on my goat episode as well of like, you have the choice of what kind of relationship you want to have. It mm-hmm. does not have to default to monogamy. And I think that is where we encounter a lot of the toxic and dangerous elements of monogamy is when it's just our default. And Mm -hmm. it is our default because of society, because of uh, what's been normalized, right? Like we're not even necessarily taught growing up. We don't necessarily see different versions of what relationships can look like. And so there's almost this kind of inherent shame of like, well, if I'm not in a monogamous relationship, then something must be wrong with me. Mm-hmm. then something must be wrong with this relationship. This relationship must not be as strong because we're not monogamous, that he or she or they must not love me enough because they don't only want me. Mm-hmm. 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 And it's so much to unpack. It's very similar with like our sex education, right? Our relationship education <laughs> and our sex education. Like they both really fucking suck. Right? <laughs> They're like, these are the one, this is the one way you can do it. (laughs) Yeah. And there's so much to unlearn with both of the relationship and sex education that we receive, because there are so many other ways that we can go about doing things that feel authentic for us, that feel pleasurable for us, that feel safe for us, um, that we can reach an agreement with, with Mm -hmm. our partner and it not be the standard, the default, um, the what's been normalized and it doesn't mean that it's wrong right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. well when you were on the goat episode you mentioned that you are now back in school to become Mm -hmm. a sexologist which is amazing (laughs) i saw that you just are diving and you getting your phd yeah yeah it's amazing um 
I didn't ever think I would go to get my PhD. I thought, I mean, first of all, like I still have massive student debt from Hopkins from my master's. This is like <laughs> not fun. And I'm just like, can we cancel this? Um, but yeah, I didn't think I'd ever go back. I thought maybe I would go get like my PsyD. I don't like research um, at all. I'm not good with like statistics. I fucking hate it. Um, but I absolutely love doing sex therapy. And I absolutely love like personally the process of learning and unlearning around sex education. And, um, you know, there's not a lot of like regulations around practicing as a sex therapist or even around like being a sexologist. Uh, there are some around being a sex educator, but I just felt like it'd be really important for me to actually get this training and, um, feel a lot more credible in the things I'm doing. So I started mm-hmm. off going for my certification to be like certified as a sex therapist. And in like the same amount of time, the same amount of money, essentially, I could get my PhD in it. And cool. the one state where it is actually regulated is in Florida of all states. Huh. Um, so, so random. Yeah, very random. Um, but yeah, so my, it's a institute that I'm going to modern sex therapy Institute and, um, the program is two years and it's online and it's like the first year is just like your coursework. So my first, um, weekend of courses is like this last weekend of September. Um, and then the whole second year is gonna be like my dissertation and supervision and whatnot. So I'm like, super pumped also like a little nervous because I'm like I'm going back to school what (laughs) do you have any idea I'm really passionate about do you have any idea what you're gonna do your dissertation around so I really I've been starting to kind of think about this because I also hope to maybe like write some kind of a book throughout this process too yeah um so that I can be like Oh, before I'm 30, I'm a doctor and an author, (laughs) you know, like feel myself a little bit. Um, but yeah, I feel like definitely doing something around like female orgasms or female masturbation. I think, um, Mm. that or something around like sex drive, uh, Mm. cause I think those are like the two areas that I hear a lot of feedback from people on, whether it's clients or listeners of the podcast or Instagram people. Mm -hmm. Um, And also just because there's so little uh, research and like, I think really credible uh, people talking about these things. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I'm thinking maybe somewhere around there, but I'm also like, who knows? I might start this program and then be like, "Mm, I'm going to do something totally different. Yeah, (laughs) You also have like a really... um through yourself and through people you know, you have a really large informal sample group. Yeah. For mm-hmm. research, which is so cool. Like you look at yeah. some of the sample sizes of research, you know, and it's like 800 people and it's pretty mm-hmm. sweet. And you can be like, oh my God, I have access to half a million women or whatever yeah. to, mm-hmm. uh, you know, to do some yeah. informal research on. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm really excited about it. And there's a um, there's a sex therapist here in Seattle that's doing the program with me. So I'm like very excited to feel like I have a friend along with me. Um, Especially since everything's virtual. Yes, I can't imagine. Exactly. Is the whole PhD program? Oh, yeah, I guess because it's in Florida, the whole thing's virtual. Yeah, so typically they would do it like in different cities. So like for the weekend, you know, you'd go to Florida or you'd go to Austin or whatever oh. um, to actually like, do the courses in person but yeah with covid it's still it's all online now so um yeah it's 
I do think like for me, when I started off doing like certification for sex therapy, there was just all this online coursework and that for me, like at a do it your own time thing means like, I'm never going to have time for it. (laughs) So I love that this is like, you know, a specific time and date that I have to be like on online and seeing people and learning. And I fucking loved being in school. Like I, I school it. was such a huge part of my identity. Like I just, I wanted to get it over with, but, but I also like loved it. If right. it wasn't so expensive, I definitely would have stayed in it longer. Um, I know, yeah, especially like, now that it's all Zoom too. I was like losing my mind this past quarter when I was on Zoom and yeah. I'm like, I'm really paying $2,500 for this class. Like that not anyone could teach on Zoom, but like we could make this yeah. so much more affordable. There's literally no yeah. overhead costs. Like the professor's definitely not getting each of our $2,000 tuition to teach this class. Nowhere near it. Yeah. It's absurd. Yeah. But. It's very, very silly how expensive school is here. And I wish we would just cancel student debt. <laughs> yes, mm. please. So I'm like, I would like to be able to buy a house. <laughs> yeah, I would eventually like to not have this debt <laughs> always here. Yeah. What- so with with all of this, did was there something like was there something in your life that happened or like personally that you started when you started getting maybe involved in non-monogamy or where you became interested? Like, this is what I really want to focus on. Was it a personal journey for you? I think I've always known So like my first sex partner, my first boyfriend, um, he was the first person I ever had like threesomes with. Um, and that was like in high school. And even, I mean, you know, I was young and was like, oh, like, he's going to be who I marry. <laughs> right. Um, and still in my head, I was always like, even though we're together, like, I didn't even have words to be like monogamy or non-monogamy then. Right. But I was like, even whoever I married is not going to be the one and only person I have sex with for the rest of my life. You I was just, just like, knew that. Mm-mm. Yeah. I was like, that doesn't make any sense. Why would I do that? No. Um, and really enjoyed having threesomes and having like other people involved is like, you know, uh, an assistant to our sex, right. <laughs> to just kind of like help us reach other areas. Like it was a very fun experience. Granted at the time, we're teenagers. We were not having the healthy communication that we needed to have sure. all this stuff. Right. There were certainly some problematic things there, but, um, from then I knew like who I marry is not going to be the one and only person that I have sex with for the rest of my life. And I think, I mean, I didn't fully start to actually like ex- experiment or explore non-monogamous relationships until after, feeling like I was completely trapped and forced into a monogamous relationship. Mm. Um, There was still always this kind of like, yeah, like, you know, my partner was turned on by the idea of having threesomes. Right. But like there was never full conversations or like a intent on my end of like, well, wait, no, like, can we open this up in a different way? That's not just, like threesomes and you getting turned on because I'm like making out with another chick. Like, can we do this in a different way? And yeah, I think after, after my relationship from the show, uh, I so badly wanted freedom. Mm. I so badly wanted to feel like my needs and wants were heard in a relationship. And that was really when I got intentional about exploring non-monogamy and it just felt 
it felt so good to be with people who were open to having those conversations and open to working through the the ego work that's mm-hmm. involved in that, especially I think for like identified men um, that there's these different stigmas, you know, with, with being a masculine man, but having your partner be with someone else and like experimented with like cuckold in like, there's just, there's just so much of these um, other elements that like, I felt like my world was just totally opened up to. Um, so I would say definitely like in the last two years, I did more so start experimenting personally that made me feel like, yeah, professionally, there needs to be more in this space Mm -hmm. and I want to, I want to explore it. Hmm. Were you, when you were like the past of the past two years, um, when you're finding partners, is it something that like, I'm always so interested how like the conversation begins, like how you're meeting someone Mm -hmm. who then is on board with a a consensual, like non-monogamous relationship. Yeah. How how did did that Mm -hmm. work for you? Yeah. So for both my last two partners, this was like a conversation within our first, like our first conversation, this stuff was brought up. Um, Yeah. Yeah. My, (laughs) my current partner um, in our first conversation it was him that we were at this, like, it's called Fireside, this, like, conference for startup, like, tech. Anyone who's doing something a little bit different is welcome. Uh, but it's held at, like, a camp, uh, Camp Walden. And it's, like, in northern Ontario. It's absolutely stunning. And, yeah, I started talking to him. And he had said, you know, it was his first time there. And um, basically shared that, like, he was finding it difficult to have like uncomfortable conversations with people that he was feeling a little surprised that like people weren't open to having more uncomfortable conversations. And I was like, Oh, well, I love having uncomfortable uncomfortable (laughs) conversations. Like, what do you mean? Like what kind of of things are you trying to talk about? Like, are you just like a hello weirdo? And that's why like people don't want to talk about these things. Like I was like, what are you trying to talk about? And the first thing he said was like, well, you know, like uh, polyamory and like, you know, veganism. And I was like, what? <laughs> you're like okay i was like um well, we can talk about this thing uh, wow so, yeah that started from first conversation and even my partner before that um i was kind of coming off of that relationship and saying you know i wasn't ready to be in a committed monogamous relationship but that if we could figure out what would work for both of us then i would be interested in doing that so I think at any point that you're dating and like you're starting to have conversations around exclusivity, mm. right? Even before that, I think it's helpful. But um, if you're like, I don't know, I want to talk about it. Maybe whenever you start talking about exclusivity, like talk about what kind of relationship you actually want, right? Mm. Like, do you, and maybe you need to sit with this and think about that and be like, okay, well, do I want this person only? Do I want to be able to flirt with other people, right? Like, when we talk about our being exclusive, rarely are there actually conversations around what exclusivity means. Yes. Like, is, is flirting considered cheating, right? Is sexting considered cheating? Is porn considered cheating, right? Like, I think people should have these conversations and ask each other what monogamy actually means and looks like to them. And mm-hmm. so 
from jump with both my last two partners, it's been a conversation of like, well, what have your past relationships looked like? And, you know, what kind of a relationship are you wanting right now? And how do you feel about me? And well, this is how I feel about you and what I would like to see with us. And is that in alignment? <laughs> is it, if it's not, then, okay, maybe this isn't the right time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but if it is, then all right, how can we like find a, a common ground that works for both of us and is something that we're happy with? It's so interesting because it's like I think about, you know, my conversations with partners in the past or whatever. And it's like Mm -hmm. I will literally even meeting someone first time. I'm like, I will talk about anything with anybody. But because there hasn't been like uh, at least, you know, demonstrated in my upbringing or whatever, the conversation, like you said, to talk about what exclusivity means. What does that look yeah. like? It's it's like when when I hear you saying it, I'm like, oh my God, this is such a fun conversation to have with someone who you're just like casually starting to date because yeah. it opens up so many other like fun conversations as well. But there is that like, you know, that part of you where you're like, oh, I, 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 I'm not going to go there because I wasn't taught or trained mm-hmm. to do that. But yeah. what a fun conversation to have with somebody that you're da- like casually dating. Yeah. And also like, I think it isn't so important because it is such a gray area, you know, mm-hmm. like you're saying, is it, is it sexting cheating? Mm-hmm. Is even like making out with someone. Che- I mean, a good point. by these like standards, I know. And it wasn't right. Cause it wasn't consensual. Haven't done this with gray, but like in past <laughs> boyfriends, just FYI, everyone, <laughs> this isn't tea. <laughs> like with past relationships, um, I 100% have like, though one time it was really bad. I've like sexted other people <laughs> while I'm dating someone, yeah. mm-hmm. um, which like. Same. Yeah. And I like. Not consensually. Yeah. And then yeah. like a couple times I've like made out with someone drunk at a club and I've ended up telling the other person crying to them, you know, and being yeah. like, I did this. But like when I think about it, it's like, did I really like feel like I was cheating or did I stop loving the other mm-hmm. person? And I did those things like, not really. It was kind of just like yeah. a different compartmentalized part of my life. Not that it was right. Cause they didn't know mm-hmm. about it or consent to it, but yeah, it didn't really have anything to do with them at the same time or didn't have anything yeah. to do with any kind of dissatisfaction in the relationship or mm-hmm. anything. Yeah. Right. And that's like, I think part of what people work to unlearn in entering into non-monogamy because I even still today catch myself where I have to be like, okay, yes. Interest in someone else does not mean a lack of interest in me. Mm -hmm. And like really having to like remind yourself of that because Mm -hmm. it's so fucking ingrained. Mm -hmm. It's so ingrained. Um, You know, if that jealousy comes up to be like, okay, how do I sit with this? You know, but I'm also reminding myself like, oh, well, when I was with so-and-so, I still really loved and felt strongly for this other person. Mm -hmm. So like, of course that's okay. Um, And I think for me, the, like, one of the most important lessons I've learned of exploring non-monogamy is making sure that I actually feel safe with my partner Mm -hmm. and my one of my previous partners, I really wasn't respected. I didn't feel like I was really listened to. And so it really actually didn't feel like a safe space for me, which then made his very small activity, but still activity with other people really, really rubbed me the wrong way because I didn't actually feel safe and Mm -hmm. feel like I trusted that person 
because they had already broken boundaries within our relationship, right? Where they were showing me that they were someone that I couldn't actually trust. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I do think that like doing non-monogamy with someone, it's so important that it's someone you actually feel safe with. It's someone that you feel actually respects you and shows you that and that upholds those boundaries, right? And if something does happen because life happens and people are not perfect, but is there actually accountability? Is there acknowledgement, right? Mm -hmm. Is there a deeper conversation and tending towards the impact that you're experiencing on this subject? And looking back for me, none of that existed. And that was where it felt like, okay, it's not non-monogamy that brought us here, right? And it was like, okay, I'm not going to blame and say, oh, well, non-monogamy doesn't work because this person, you know, broke this boundary and I feel disrespected and and what have you. But it was that person, me and that person just not meshing well and not having that respect and not having that trust and not having that safety. And I think those are like really, really key components of any relationship But like, especially in a non-monogamous relationship, if you're involving other people as well, like Mm -hmm. to feel like you have that solid um, connection still, um, I think those things are so important for that. So Broads, a smile is everyone's best accessory. You may not be able to see them as often as you want right now, unless you're on Zoom, of course. But someday, someday we will all be able to show our smiles again. And that means now is the perfect time to get working on that smile if that's something you're looking for. Uh, For some of us, that means straightening out a smile, which thanks to candid clear aligners has never been simpler easier or more comfortable. Um, If you've managed to escape the metal confines of traditional braces as a preteen, thank your lucky stars. They're not fun. And my, my, how times have changed. Candid clear aligners are practically invisible and you can remove them when necessary, okay? The whole treatment is prescribed and monitored remotely by a licensed uh, orthodontist who's an expert in tooth movement. Your teeth are under the best care from start to finish. And unlike traditional braces, candid clear aligners are affordable, okay? Costing thousands less than traditional braces. Braces are expensive and candid clear aligners are oh so affordable. And the best part is the average treatment is just six months, six months, excuse me, which flies by when you're getting the smile you've always dreamed of. All I can say is I so, so wish that candid clear aligners were around when I was younger and had wire braces. Um, It wasn't the best time for me. You know, it was very uncomfortable and it lasted many years. Not like candid. Candid clear aligners are that zero pain game, baby. So start straightening your teeth today. Right now, all our listeners can save $75 on candid starter kit. Just go to candidco.com slash chatty and use code chatty. That's candidco.com slash chatty promo code chatty. Take advantage of this limited time offer to save $75 on your starter kit. That's candidco.com slash chatty code chatty. Well, if you watched the news, read social media or looked out your window the last week, you probably know that the entire West Coast was on fire resulting in some of the worst air quality in the world. I have never, ever in my life been more thankful for my air purifier. That is a fact. Of course, I'm talking about my molecule, which if you listen to us regular, regularly, you know I've loved my molecule for forever. But let me tell you, last week, 
I experienced a different type of love for my molecule. Uh, molecule is not your typical air purifier either. They've literally developed a new technology in air purification that destroys harmful pollutants in the air like viruses, bacteria, mold, and chemicals instead of just collecting them in the filters, which inevitably just leak back out onto your space. So, in fact, molecule air purifiers actually destroy the widest range of pollutants compared to every other air purifier on the market. It's amazing. Um, And just because it's a piece of functional equipment doesn't mean that it has to not be aesthetically pleasing. Molecule products literally look like the Scandinavian minimalist tech product of your dreams. Mwah, they're gorgeous. Uh, and by that, I mean they look nothing like the air purifiers that you might be used to seeing. That means you can have them out in the open to do their job instead of shoving them in the corner, hoping that they're still effective. Um, they have multiple size options available as well, perfect for small spaces like home office or a kid's room or large rooms up to 600 square feet. Um, I mean, what a relief it was to have them in my house the last few weeks and I was seeing such a huge difference the moment that I would turn them off, my house would start to smell like smoke. And I'm talking about within a minute, turn them back on in 60 seconds. Boom, the air was clear. It was amazing. Thank you, Molecule. Uh, For 10% off your first air purifier order, visit M-O-L-E-K-U-L-E.com and enter code chatty at checkout. That's molecule.com. Enter code chatty at checkout for 10% off your first air purifier order. Yeah. And I was thinking when you were saying how it's been so deeply ingrained for us to feel threatened, you know, by maybe someone is, you know, going to care more about this person than me or whatever. I think a big issue with that is because Anytime that's happened to us in relationships or in relationships proximity in proximity to us, it means that that relationship therefore has to end when there's more yeah. interest in another person. And I think that's like a big reason because I was thinking about it sort of in my head, like, why do I feel threatened or like upset about this mm-hmm. person or like about my partner wanting to. So for me, just personally, like the sex thing doesn't bother me so much mm-hmm. if I was to be in a non-monogamous relationship. But I think about like yeah. if my partner was to stay up super late talking on the phone with someone else mm-hmm. that like the thought of that kind of is like ah, freaks me out. I'm like, oh, my yeah. God. Yeah. Um, yeah. And because to me, when I when I unpack it, it's like maybe this person, maybe my partner will like this person more than me and then therefore choose to end the relationship with me so that they can spend all of their time with this new person, Mm -hmm. which could, which I guess like could be a valid fear. Um, No, it's a totally valid fear. (laughs) But yeah. And could be like a realistic fear, but Mm -hmm. it's just so interesting to think about like how the root of it is, is um, worry, worrying that that necessarily means the end Mm -hmm. of what, what we have and like end of spending any time together potentially. Yeah. Well, and I think when your partner does find someone new that oftentimes there is a little bit um, of an increase in the quantity of time that that person spends with that person. Mm -hmm. Right. And Mm -hmm. probably the same thing would happen for you with someone new too. Or with your friends, you know, when you start dating a new person, you stop hanging out with your friends all the time because you're infatuated with this new person. Totally. So like part of that is maybe like perspective. Right. And I think another part is like communicating your needs. Right. So you might be able to communicate to your partner like, hey, you know, I do start to feel really uneasy. You know, when you start to have these really like long conversations on the phone with so and so, like I would feel really cared for if 
you could make sure to schedule a date night for us intentionally uh, sometime this me. weekend, yeah. right? Yeah. Or whatever it is. You know, I would yeah. love if you would, you know, increase your words of affirmation or or something to just say like, I might need some reassurance right now. I'm really happy for you and I want you to experience this however you need to, and I support you. However, I'm feeling um a little uneasy. I'm feeling a little disconnected from you and I, I really want to make sure that we do come back to us, yeah. right? And if that is your primary relationship, then I I better hope that that partner is on board with that, right? And yeah. wants to wants to provide that reassurance for you and wants to say, yes, no, of course, I do love you and I do care about you. And, you know, yes, like we're, we're going to do something together and I so appreciate you supporting me in this. And, you know, just again, reassuring from all those things that, that we need to unlearn, right? Of mm-hmm. I'm really enjoying talking to this person and I still really love and care about you. Mm-hmm. Um, hearing those things, I think, helps create new pathways and new connections in our brains, right? Yeah. <laughs> From all these things that are so ingrained. Yeah, yeah, it's so interesting because it's like, even if someone's not interested in having a non-monogamous relationship, mm-hmm. these are such great practices to just have to yeah. re- make sure that you're not codependent in a relationship yeah, toolkits mm-hmm. yeah like yeah. the idea of being like i need to have like for example like i would like to have friends you know of the opposite mm-hmm. sex and yeah. and or i want to make sure that i have time where i have friends and i get away i go on vacations where i'm not necessarily with you like mm-hmm. i need time yeah. and space to make sure that we're not codependent that i have on my own independence even if we're not going to have a you know consensual non-monogamous relationship mm-hmm. just a good practice to keep yeah. yourself whole totally totally i said this on paradise about like the puzzle pieces thing where I was like, I don't want someone to just like, you know, fill up my missing puzzle piece. Like I'm my own puzzle. And mm-hmm. then like you're your own puzzle. Maybe like our colors complement each other, <laughs> but I've like upgraded that kind of uh, analogy now to like a uh, Venn-, Venn diagram. Mm-hmm. So like you're your own full circle, your partner's own full circle, but then like you have this in between where you come together. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think if you start to lose that part of your circle, right. And it starts to open up and now it's just like that one full circle. (laughs) Um, I think that's where you start to lose that part of your own individual identity. And I think that is typically what we start to experience in monogamous relationships, Mm -hmm. that this person is your everything. Mm -hmm. They're your everything. And you become their everything. And I remember I started talking about this, like, year and a half ago and people were so upset by this and people were like you are not like your partner doesn't care about you you don't like (sighs) your partner enough literally that they were like well they're not the one for you then you don't want to spend (laughs) all your time with this person yeah they're not like the one (gasps) yeah I was like well my husband is my everything for the last 25 years and you know you just haven't found the right one yet and it's like no I don't want one person to be my everything. They might be a lot of things for me, right? Mm-hmm. But I still am my everything. And I still have a bunch of other people in my life that help influence and impact and contribute to who I am. And I also have my needs met by many of these other people in my life mm-hmm. that I don't want to put that pressure on my partner to be like, no, you are all I have. Right. And you need to be there, you know, a million percent of the time for me. 
and I'm going to be there a million percent of the time for you. Like it's so when you really step back and think about it, like it's not helpful for your partner and it's really not helpful for you. And it's like blows my mind when I think back to like being in monogamous relationships where it did feel like, oh my gosh, like I have to be absolutely everything for this person, Mm -hmm. which in turn made me not actually show up as my whole everythingness of myself. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Which then it's like, okay, so then who is that partner loving now? Because this really isn't the full version of me because now it's just me fully showing up in all the ways for this person. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh no. I mean, I've been with the same person for 14 years and I will say this when there was many years of that mindset of Mm -hmm. um, we're each other's everything, you know, expecting that we were so unhealthy and we were smothering each other. The amount, at least for us, the amount of arguing expectations. Yeah. It just, it sucked so much joy out of our relationship. And just in the past few years, have we been able to transition where it's like, no, I can't expect that from you. And we, Mm -hmm. we adore each other, but we're, we're sucking the life out of each other because we're not allowing the other person to be their own independent being. And -hmm. it's so funny now, like people who've, who have met us later in our relationship, like let's just say in the past five years, you're like, oh my God, you guys are so good together. You're so healthy. It's so sweet. I'm like, yeah, I feel great now, but you could have checked us out a few years back and it was a mess. And at that time, I would have told you my husband's my everything. He's the only thing Mm -hmm. I have. Mm -hmm. And but inside it was just a disaster. And I was had so much anxiety because I put all these expectations on him and myself to show up in those ways. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I want to acknowledge for some people, too, who might be feeling like a little bit like "Ah!" it's it. It is hard sometimes, like I'm thinking of one of my friends in particular, like um, if you have like a husband who's in the military, for example, and you're you're yeah. moving all the time and you don't have mm-hmm. a solid family unit or like childhood best friends just because of your situation. Like I do yeah. want to acknowledge that there's situations where it's like sometimes that the only person you got is your partner. And like, while that's not ideal, I do feel like sometimes that's the only <clears throat> like option that people have not necessarily but it's like when you have kids you know you how are you gonna go out and like make friends and then you're moving like in five months anyway um Mm -hmm. granted that's like a really small percentage of the experience but I can well I mean my mom was in that my Mm. stepdad was in the air force and we had to move you know every like you know middle school elementary school high school we're moving and he was deployed um, shortly after 9-11, was deployed for about nine months. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was in like middle school at the time and we had just moved to a new place. And my mom was still working then for about a year. But, you know, I know that for her, it did feel like me and and her husband were her everything. And she was not in a happy, mm. healthy place then, like at all. <laughs> um, and I do think even when it feels like okay, this is all I have because I'm in a new place and I have kids and my, you know, my husband is away and all this stuff. Like there still has got to be a way. There still has got to be a way that you can lean on family, that you can, um, you know, the internet now is such a big fucking place, right? That Mm -hmm. you can find groups of people that you can 
you know, find those moments to have that are for you. And I know, I mean, I'm not a parent. I know that that's like very, very fucking difficult at times. And there might be phases, right? Where you go through that and you're like, I literally have not checked in with myself in months and Mm -hmm. I've lost sight of that. And I would definitely encourage people like, don't beat yourself up about it. Like when you're at that spot and you can realize that and have awareness of that, try to be intentional about it in the smallest of moments um, where maybe even it just feels like you have yourself. Um, I just did a uh, recording with this woman who does um, healing of trauma through like body movement, Mm -hmm. uh, through like sensual, spiritual, like dancing. And we walked through this, like, even if you have five minutes in the bathroom with yourself, right. And she walked me through this like beautiful, like almost meditation kind of thing. And just got me thinking more about like movement and how that is how we come back to ourselves. And even with movement, I mean, stillness as well, right? Like listening to our body being in our body. Mm -hmm. And I think you can find moments where two minutes in the bathroom with yourself, right? Where you're either still or you're moving around where you're practicing self-compassion and you're coming back to you. Mm-hmm. And I think that's even in like the smallest of ways that you can kind of practice grounding yourself and knowing that, okay, your husband might be deployed. Your kid might be having a, you know, 30 minute nap and you're like anticipating, oh shit, they're going to wake up and then I got to feed them and blah, blah, blah. But where you can kind of have your own back. Right. And you can kind of like lift yourself up as much as you can. This might sound like really woo woo and like, Bitch, you know no. what about. but I do think that there's, space in those super small moments, even to kind of like refine your circle and your Venn diagram and feel like you can be part of your everything. Yeah, Carving out a chunk of whatever time you can. Yeah. I was also thinking as you were yeah. talking, um, sometimes it's like you were talking about the internet. I was just thinking to myself that mm-hmm. you can find sometimes um, a one-sided outlet to get support from other people, even if they don't know you. I was thinking about podcasts and how sometimes mm-hmm. when I'm driving, I'll listen to a podcast that's maybe more of like a self-help aspect yeah. or that can be that could be an outlet for someone oh. to go for a walk and listen to a podcast. The person might not know who you are, but you're gaining support from someone yeah. other than your partner yeah. to, to mm-hmm. have like a bit of an outlet to have your own space and a relationship with someone else, even if it's just a one-sided well, relationship. Well, it's funny you bring yeah. up the podcast because I was just about to say, like, I know for me personally, when, when uh, m- my daughter was six months old, um, my husband was like on the road mostly uh, for music and I was home alone with her and she was six months and we just moved to Los Angeles and I didn't have any friends in LA and I felt so like Evan's my every and I was still in that and it was coming back a little bit too because I was just felt like so lonely I'm like Evan's my everything da 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 and I didn't have it in me because of having the little six month old to be like, I'm going to reach out to random people and whatever. Totally. So mm-hmm. I started listening to podcasts. I did was Pete Holmes. You made it weird for me that like got me in this great headspace, but he became like this guy who doesn't know me became like my best friend. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. started to, I became my own person by mm-hmm. realizing that I have certain a certain set of beliefs that are different than my husband's. Mm. And I allowed myself to feel that way and feel free in that way. And that was, for me, all that it took in that moment was to be like, oh, you believe this spiritually? I don't. And mm-hmm. I'm finally free to say like, no, we're, we're two different mm. people. 
and that's yeah. okay. And we don't have to sit there and fight about it. It's like, that's mm-hmm. just what I believe. And I'm not going to agree with you. And that's we're fine. Cool. And that felt like enough. a sense of autonomy. Exactly. And like independence. Yeah. Exactly. yeah. And even, even if it's not like support necessarily, I think it's also like interests that are yes. like individual to you. Right. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, it could still be shared with your partner, but that you're doing those things on your own, that you're exploring those things on your own. Right. Even like reading a book, right? Mm -hmm. Like doing something, um, doing some kind of like yoga practice or dance practice, right? Like I was thinking about this for myself last night. I had like a mini dance party in my apartment by myself. And I was thinking like, oh, you know, like when my partner's here, you know, if they're here for a longer extended period of time, I might really miss having these moments for for myself that Mm -hmm. help me just kind of get back grounded to who I am and was like, how can I make time? How can I create that moment where I have the apartment to myself on a Friday night and I can blast my music as loud as I want, dance around in my apartment and give no fucks about anything. (laughs) I was like, how can I, like, I, this feels so important for me when I'm solo and I don't want to lose that when I'm also partnered. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think even for people getting into relationships to consider what those things are and how you experience your individuality and being intentional about still experiencing that in a partnered relationship. Mm. Mm. That's such a good point. Yeah. So this is a kind of a, it makes sense, this transition, but can we talk about your sex vacations? Because Taylor, when you posted about, and then I went through your whole, I went through your whole highlight reel and you were talking about that you had taking yourself on a sex vacation and I was like I am fully sucked in and I became obsessed <laughs> can you talk to us about this because this when I when I started to read all your highlights I was like if I could go back to like mm-hmm. young like you know 20 something year old Jess and yeah. teach her this I feel like it would have been so fantastic so yeah and I haven't done I, I I'm not exactly sure what you're talking about oh my so god I'm ready to hear tell yeah. us please <laughs> <laughs> yeah so sexcation uh is what I've called it um a sexcation was basically like I want to have a lot of sex with this person we're gonna have we're gonna plan a trip we're gonna have a trip together and we're just going to ravage the fuck out of each other. Yes. Like, I'm coming prepared with the lube, with the condoms, with the toy, with all the things. I'm coming prepared. <laughs> He's coming prepared. And we're just going to sex it up. And like, these were conversations before the trip, right? This was intentional. Um, and it was interesting, like... <laughs> So this is with someone who's, it's like, just for the, like, for the listeners, this is not like, oh, this is my boyfriend. Like, this is someone no. who you've just... Yeah, connected yeah. with and you're like. So I mean, I've I've somewhat talked about this on my Instagram a bit, and I think if people like can, can connect the dots, but yeah, the like the partner that I just had talked about of like that uncomfortable conversation right off the bat, like we met there right. that weekend for like two days, and then talked a bit afterwards, and then was like, we want to see each other, and basically just like we want to fucking ravage each other. So planned a trip um, like a month later, and. Yeah, the whole intention behind it. I mean, for me, I was like, I'm not in a place where I want to be in a long-term relationship mm. um, or a committed relationship. Had just gotten out of one, but was like, my God, this man is so fine. <laughs> um, I was like, I'm literally struggling to just have a conversation looking at him because I was like, oh my God, I was like, get on me, please. Get on me all over. Um, and 
And, and he, it, the feeling was mutual and he wasn't looking for something that was committed or, you know, any kind of like back and forth again. I mean, he's in Toronto. Um, and yeah, so it was like, we just want to get together. We just want to have a fun time. We just want to ravage each other. So let's plan it out. Um, and when I shared it, it was just like, I was, uh, I think I was leaving Maybe I was going into the country. I don't remember, but I was going through customs and like the border patrol guy just looked like he was not having a good day. And he's like, oh, like what brings you here? Or what brought you here? And I was like, uh, sexcation. <laughs> and he was like, what? And I was like, a sexcation. <laughs> and he was like, what is a... okay? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, you know, just like a visit, like for sex. <laughs> And it brought like a small smile to his face. And I was like, okay, cool. Like, I love any other questions? <laughs> um, but like, just shared that. Cause I was like, that was kind of funny. And um, it was funny. People really thought they were like, oh, like you're bragging about having sex and like, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, you know what? Women have been so suppressed about ex- talking about and experiencing their sexuality this isn't me bragging, but sure, why not? Maybe I should be fucking bragging just so that women can feel empowered and talking about their sex experiences um, so that maybe their needs and their wants can actually be explored and expressed and respected. Mm. Um, so I basically shared it like that. And then, you know, it kind of became like, okay, let's do another sexcation. Okay, let's do a sexcation in this location. And one of my favorite parts about even me sharing this was like, I had a woman... And I'd like many people messaged me with this, but this woman in particular, like really like got my heart. Um, she's like in her forties mm-hmm. and was recently divorced and had met a guy. I think it was like also international and, um, had met him and she was like, you know, I was really like empowered by your sexcations. And like, I talked to, you know, this guy that I'm interested in about this. And, you know, I got myself all prepared and got my bag with like my sexy lingerie and my condoms and my lube and all this. And she was like, you know, she had messaged me before she went. And then also afterwards and was like, it was such a good time. I experienced so much pleasure. We had amazing communication around this and was just like, thank you. And I was like, Oh my goodness. That's amazing. I was so happy that you had a great sexcation. Um, but I think that like the, the interesting part about, you know, essentially a sexcation is like a form of casual relationship. And mm-hmm. I put casual in like air quote because it also kind of implies like a hierarchy of sex. Mm. And I'm not like, I'm still figuring that part out, mm. but um it implies, unfortunately, that like it's emotionless or that you don't have feelings for that person. Mm-hmm. And for me, even on that first sexcation, you know, the first we didn't have sex the first night, but that morning after we had sex and we went out for like coffee and tea and stuff, um, you know, we we're walking down the street and he's like, hold my hand. And in my head, I was like, we shouldn't be doing this because this is a sexcation. <laughs> right. Why? Right. Like, We're I was not like, committed. Like, this is not. <laughs> I draw the line. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I yeah. was like, mm, like, you're going to get me in my feels right now. And like, mm, I don't know about that because like, this is strictly this. Totally. And I'd asked him about it. I was like, you're holding my hand. And he was like, yeah, like I, you know, he had already communicated. He's very affectionate um, physically. And he was just like, yeah, like I like doing this with you. And like, it, it felt right to do. And you know, I was making you uncomfortable. And 
then we had kind of like had a conversation about it and where I was like, you know, I don't want to reject this. Mm-hmm. Like, I really enjoy my time with you. I feel really respected by you. I feel really safe but with you. I understand the boundaries of this. And I know I'm not ready for a committed relationship right now. But maybe there's a way where I can let this in and just have this be a part of like increasing my pleasure and increasing our connection. Yeah. Which also then increases like our sex because we're having that dialogue and we're understanding each other better and understanding our bodies. Um, So it was like, yeah, we were having sexcations, but they weren't void of, of feelings. Like we held space for those feelings too. And we're very fond of each other and had a lot of like admiration um, and respect for each other. And I will say it's not for everyone. Right. Mm -hmm. But like, it's okay if you don't feel that way towards your partner. Right. If you're not like, Oh, I want to hold their hand. And like, you know, this feels like really like a sense of togetherness. And then we have this like great sex, but then we also get to go back to our own individual lives. And it's just kind of like a fun weekend thing. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, I just really wanted to encourage people like, (laughs) again, if it doesn't look heterosexual, monogamous, fairy tale, like storyline, that it still is okay. As long as you're in a safe place and you feel respected and you're experiencing pleasure, like, do you? Can I ask both of your opinions on something that I've always go back and forth about? Kind of like a seg- uh, a tangent off this topic. Okay, when you have a partner mm-hmm. who, like maybe you just started out as like sexual partners, you just hook up. I mean, this is very like, I think everyone has kind of gone through this. You make it very clear you're not interested in having any sort of committed anything monogamous. You're, you make that clear from the bat. That person really wants that. And um, where do you think that falls in your personal responsibility of how to handle that? Is it is it just on them? And if they want to, you know, keep torturing themselves and keep hooking up with you, even though what they really want is a monogamous committed relationship, is that just on them and you just get to keep enjoying it? Or do you do either of you feel like it's your responsibility to hold that other person's feelings and set the boundary of being like, no, I'm not going to hook up with you since you want it to be something more? I always, I always struggle with this. Yeah. Do you want to go? Do you want me to go? (laughs) Go for it, Taylor. (laughs) You're the almost doctor. (laughs) So I've been in these situations. Yeah. And what I will say is that it is your responsibility to make sure that you are in a space respecting your boundaries it's your responsibility to make sure that you are in a space that feels healthy and good for you. Sure. It's not up to that other person. Sure. So if you express, I only want a committed relationship and that other person is saying, well, I um, really just want, you know, something non-committed and just to have a sexual relationship with you. They might still try to engage with you. Sure. That's, that's not their bad. Mm Mm-hmm. If you disrespect yourself, if you do not honor yourself and honor your needs and continue down that line, hoping that they will change their minds, I will say that that's on you, mm-hmm. that you are now showing that person how to treat you, right? That you're going to go against what your own needs are and that if you're feeling like you want something and your partner is not in alignment with that, 
you have every right to say, okay, well then this isn't working for me. I could go along with this, but my needs wouldn't be being met. And in the, on the other hand, mm-hmm. right? Say that you really want a sexual relationship and this partner is saying that you want, that they want something committed. Yeah. I do think you, it's not your responsibility if this person engages with you, right? Because mm-hmm. that is up to them mm-hmm. to honor themselves. Um, but I would say that I would hope if you have the respect, if you have the care for this other person, that you would have a conversation with them about what it feels like for them to still engage with you, knowing that this is where you're at. Right. Mm -hmm. And being honest each step of the way about how those needs and how those desires might change. Right. I don't think, I think if you're saying, I really want a committed relationship, I'm not sure if you're the person I want that with yet. And I really enjoy being intimate with you. I want to explore that a little bit more. Sure, go for it. Both parties, that makes sense, right? That other person might come to a place where they say, oh, actually, I'm really enjoying this too. And I feel a really deep connection here. And, you know, I'm feeling like I might want to explore the idea of being in a committed relationship with you. Um, Great, Mm -hmm. right? But I think at the end of the day, it's always up to you to honor your needs. Mm -hmm. That person, sure, they might, you might feel like they're being a jerk because they're still engaging with you. But like, you also shared what you wanted and then your behaviors went against what you said you wanted for yourself. Mm -hmm. And that then gave that person permission to still engage with you in that way and disrespect your own needs. Right. And that's where I've always been like interested in is where does your responsibility fall? Like, do you disrespect that person knowing that they're disrespecting, like that they're not being true to themselves? Um, It's tricky. You can. Like you totally can. That's up to you. Right. Mm -hmm. But I mean, I think obviously if you want to really act and engage in a a way that is respectful, then yeah, you would disengage Mm -hmm. and you would say, you know, I care for you and I enjoy these experiences with you, but I know that you want something more and that I'm not ready for that. And it hurts me to see you you know, continue to engage with me. And I don't want to be, you know, tempting you or or teasing you with this when you might not. Because to me, having a conversation like that and not engaging with that person to me is very respectful, right? right? It's not something that you have to do, but it is like practicing holding your partner in a highlight, even when they're not holding themselves in a Mm -hmm. highlight. Mm -hmm. And I think that's so important in any relationship. Like that's a hard lesson I've learned in my like committed relationships of like, I want a partner that's still going to hold me in my, in in a highlight, even when I'm struggling to do that for myself. Yeah. Um, It's honestly just being selfless and like caring. It's, it's helping someone even when you don't necessarily have to. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So I don't know. That's my take on it. Yeah, no, I think that's, I mean, I feel like you said it. <laughs> I feel like you laid it out perfectly. Yeah, I mean, my my thought too, the only thing is that like when I'm thinking about being in the situation where someone is wanting something committed and I'm just wanting to have a sexual relationship, um, I would definitely agree with wanting to be selfless and like the constant communication of, mm-hmm. okay, this is like not, you know, this is what you want and this is what I want. And I feel like, they're completely different and I don't want to disrespect what you want in that way but also Mm -hmm. just in an internal feeling I'm thinking about past situations that I've had 
even when I've been with someone who wanted a commitment and I just wanted to just have a sexual relationship and that person would keep trying to broach even though I just wanted sexual, like I started to feel, mm-hmm. I feel like you feel it in your own being most of the time yeah. too, where I'm like, this just feels, even though I'm enjoying having sex with this person, kind of knowing that we're not on the same page because mm-hmm. of our communication is making that clear is kind yeah. of like messing up my space too, where I'm feeling yeah. like a cloud and just even and- in my own personal, well, in my own personal being, like it's just feels better yeah. to just kind of let it well, and cause, dissipate. And because now it feels like your needs aren't being respected. Right, right. That your wants aren't being heard or valued because now they're trying to push something onto you that you've already expressed. Mm-mm, that's not where I'm at. Right, right. Yeah, and I will say too, like I've had experiences where I've communicated one thing and my partner has in words communicated wanting the same, but in actions and in their behaviors Mm -hmm. have shown me the opposite. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that was something really to like unpack there. And I think sometimes people out of fear of losing access to you will be in agreement with what you want because they would rather still get what they can without being honest with where they're at and potentially losing you. Yeah. I've definitely been in and that so, position too. Like mm-hmm, as that yeah. person that's trying to cling on to something that's <laughs> sure. not going to happen, you know, mm-hmm. even though a person yeah. might've made it like abundantly clear and laid it out that it's not going to happen. Yeah, and I've been like, yeah, I feel the same exact way. <laughs> just like dying. <laughs> I can do to spend just 10 minutes with you, please. <laughs> but that's the thing with like the sex, the sexcations that I obviously, you know, you're not in control of if someone's not being honest mm-hmm. in their communication. But with the sexcations, what I loved so much is this idea of communication around mm-hmm. that type of sexual relationship. Because I, when I was thinking back, I'm like, there were so many moments, um, especially in my in uh, my early 20s, where I'm like, I'm down with a one night stand, but there are certain people in my life that I just have a comfortable sexual relationship with and it just feels natural. And I'd like to have moments where Mm -hmm. we have this communicated time where we're going to go to Palm Springs for two days and we're Mm -hmm. going to have sex and that's what it is. And even even if the intimacy goes farther, like you were saying, because we do have this comfortability and communication and connection with each other, but I just didn't have this like idea of how to make that happen. So it's like going back now, I'm like, oh my God, I would have had these moments for sure where Jessica wanted more than a specific or a a one night stand with someone. I want the communication in Mm -hmm. this specific situation and how healthy that would feel like we're both on the same page right now. This is both what we want. We're comfortable and safe with each other. And I'm able to have my sexual needs met and even Mm -hmm. maybe a little more uh, emotional intimacy met and then that's but that's what I need and then I can go about Mm -hmm. my separate life yeah yeah and I've like I've never had a one-night stand uh it never felt safe for me Mm -hmm. and for me doing a sexcation is almost like an extended version of a one-night stand Mm -hmm. and I mean I also don't drink so I feel like a lot of people's one-night stands is like you know going home after the bar being drunk and whatnot but um for me it is so important that like the sexual encounters that I have are meaningful that 
for me, they're meaningful because I experience pleasure, because I experience a connection with that person, whether it's sexual, spiritual, emotional, that it feels um, meaningful in mm-hmm. some way. And one night stands didn't ever feel that way for me. Uh, like my, my perception of them, right. Of like, I probably could have with him that first night that I met him, but I would have wanted more. Mm-hmm. And that for me is always my thing. Like I've never wanted to have sex with someone just one time mm-hmm. because if I'm going to have sex with them, I want it to be pleasurable and enjoyable, which means I would want to have more. So like why put myself in a position where I would only have sex with them that one time and then never talk to them ever again. Uh, and that's to me where sexcations feel like a good compromise and extended one night stand (laughs) Um, where there is more communication and there is um, an abundance and a focus on pleasure. Like, I don't know. I think in my perception, you know, from movies and whatnot, like, and friends that one night stands didn't actually have a focus on pleasure Mm -hmm. that, um, and I think certainly for some people that they do. Right. But right. Uh, and maybe sometimes it's a different type of pleasure. Like for me, my one night stands yeah. have been more about like adrenaline. Yeah, rushes. <laughs> the adrenaline right. rush. It's like yeah. not about, yeah. I, I'm not expecting to have an orgasm, which might sound yeah. kind of fucked up, but I'm going into it expecting like, no, I'm probably yeah. not going to like have the most mind blowing orgasm orgasm at all, but it's going to yeah. be a rush. You know, it's going to be a mm-hmm. high and mm-hmm. it'll be yeah. fun. And that's pleasurable and in a pe- different kind mm-hmm. of way. Right. Right. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, for me, like for me personally, that wouldn't be feel no, fulfilling I, I for you. Yeah. 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 That, and maybe if I. Yeah. It, does, it doesn't have to, yeah. you know, it doesn't have to. But it, yeah. But all of this to me is just like, it's just knowing yourself sexually, which I think mm-hmm. is so um, like so cool. And it excites me to know that like, you know, that this is now, these are conversations that are being had because I think about like my daughter and I'm like, oh my God, Mm -hmm. we're going to be having these conversations with her. So she's going to like be growing up, learning her about herself sexually and like what she, what for her feels right and doesn't feel right. And what she's comfortable with instead of just like, here's the book, Mm -hmm. you can do this, this, and this, and you can't do these other things and that's it. And then it's Mm -hmm. like, well, this stuff doesn't feel good to me. doesn't matter. That's the only thing you can do, (laughs) you know? So it's just so cool. It's like, you know, yourself sexually and 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 then created the sexcation from it and it's just yeah, yeah I just love that I think it's so amazing thanks yeah I think it just comes down to like honoring your needs honoring where you're at right like checking in with yourself on that and communicating it and if it's not an alignment then it's not an alignment mm-hmm. <laughs> and um you know, then either you take a pause from seeing that person and you revisit it later, or you just realize, you know, that that person's not, not with it for you. Mm-hmm. Um, it's to me, it's like all these things should always be ongoing conversations and um, trying to always be open to see where it can be fulfilling and feel safe and respectful and pleasurable for everyone involved. Mm-hmm. But it's emotional work for sure. Yeah. Individually and together. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, I really appreciate you putting it out there. And I know like it broads, it's on Taylor's highlights on her Instagram. And yeah. I binged through those. And it was it was very like, even though I haven't I didn't participate in it, just being yeah. able to see you do it felt healing to me. Mm. Hmm. So I appreciate that. 
Yeah. Thank I'm you so, so much sweet. for coming on today. It was awesome yes. and fun yeah. and the time flew by. <laughs> it's always so yeah. nice to talk to you. <laughs> and okay, obviously broads, Taylor has the Let's Talk About It podcast. We'll link it all here. But anything else right now that you'd like to let our listeners know about? Um, one thing that was fun that we just did on the podcast was a being biracial series with a bunch of other people from bachelor. So if people cool. want to check that out yes, and that's um, on your Patreon, right? No, that's just on the actual podcast itself. But, um, oh, wow, if okay. you appreciate it, you can always Venmo. Um, yes. but no, on, um, on Patreon, I'm going to be doing like sex and relationship Q and A's. And so like talking more about this kind of stuff, um, and kind of like debriefing my coursework as well from the PhD program. So it's kind of like you can get a little sneak peek in like sexology PhD program. Um, and then doing some like bachelor breakdowns and stuff. Like I usually don't talk about that kind of stuff, but there's just so much fuckery <laughs> in the franchise that I'm like, we need to like have important conversations about <laughs> these things. Um, so yeah, going forward, I'm going to be doing like Reca- not even recaps but like breakdowns of all Fun. of it um that'll be on there and uh yeah all of that's all linked on instagram as well so. amazing well we'll link it in the episode notes but taylor thank you so much we so appreciate you yeah stay safe it. on the west coast baby <laughs> thanks doing my best i might explore outside today we'll see <laughs> start to wander through all right with yes. that chat soon rob chat soon 